Ten years ago when I came to Christian Fellowship, when our family came here, I preached a sermon on the purpose of the church based out of Acts chapter 2. And um, every year it seems like God brings me back to this passage of Scripture. And this year, this, this service I've entitled Direction, and because of, I believe it, that God is taking us as a church in a direction. Let me read Acts chapter 2 for you, starting in verse 40. With many words he warned them. This was Peter preaching. With many words he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Wait a minute. Anybody recognize our generation maybe as a corrupt generation? Do you see any corruption in a generation around us? Yeah, there's a little bit there. Peter said, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and there were 3,000 added to their number that day. 3,000 people. The church went from zero to 3,000 in one day. Well, not zero. I think there's probably about 120 that were in the upper room. But 120 up to 3,000 in one day. And the word continues in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. They, they are the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. Can you say awe? awe. Not awe. <laughs> I want to go to church, you want to go with me? Uh, the church was filled with awe. Every one of them was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and they enjoyed the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved daily, why? What was the church formula? What was the church? Well, I don't know. There was some discipleship. They were talking about the, the apostles' teachings. There was fellowship. They got together. There was prayer, right? There was discipleship. There was fellowship. There was prayer. There was power. There was people. God was moving. People were getting healed. They were getting saved, there was service. They served one another. They took what they had. They took what they had two of and they gave it to somebody else. I got two Bibles. I don't need my Bible. Here. I, you know what? I probably have three Bibles. If you need a Bible, I could give you one. Honestly, I could. I've got, anybody here got three Bibles? Four Bibles? Anybody? Know anybody who needs a Bible? Oh, that's such a special Bible. Give it away! They gave away things that they needed. And God, there was, God created this thing called evangelism, and he added to the church every day. Daily, he added people to the church. Church went from, from 120 to 3,000 to who knows how many. James, Jesus' little brother, was, was pastoring a church very shortly, within just a few years, of 3,000 people. Corinth was huge. There was a church in there. Now, when people came in, they brought problems. Anybody got problems? Don't lie. 
Everybody else there better raise your hand. You got problems? Yeah, we got problems, and we bring them with us, right? Jesus is saying uh, in, uh, in the book of Acts here, the writer of Acts is saying, you know what, there was problems in the church, but people brought those in. You read through Corinthians, and Corinthians is all about the problems that the church had. But through that, people were ministered to, and God caused the church to grow because the neighbors go, man, I ain't never seen anybody who... I know the problems you had, and that group of people, well, they like, they seem to like you, and look at, not only do they like you, but they're, they're meeting the needs that you had. I want you to understand something. Peter put the church, put the disciples in a, in a crazy weird situation. I mean, there was no such thing as the church at this time, really, not what we recognize as a church. There was no such thing as Jesus Christ who had paid the price and died for our sins. There wasn't that grace previous to this. Peter preaches this. All these people come to Christ and he's put the apostles in this what are we going to do with all these people situation. Here's the deal. I've heard several pastors in the last month say, it's the year of the Bible. 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 I think that's good. I think that's right. I think we need God's word. I would teach that. I would preach that. I would tell you that in and out. I've told you it a hundred times. I just told it to you at Christmas time. We need to be reading the word. We need to get it, be getting that in us. But the, the, the epiphany, the revelation that I believe I've had in the last two months is not so much that we need to read the word as much as we need to be doers of the word we need to begin to be disciples we don't need to hear about discipleship anymore we need to be disciples the direction I believe God is pressing us pushing us towards this year is to become disciples and not just disciples but disciple makers how do you become a disciple maker well you better be a disciple, right? You better get that kind of figured out. This is what God is calling me to do. He's calling me to be, well, according to his word, which I've read over and over, he wants me to be a leader in my house, praying for my family, serving my family. Then I ought to be what? Praying for my family, serving my family. He wants me to love one another. Who is one another? Well, it's usually spelled with neighbor. Love your neighbor as, as yourself. Great opportunity, great opportunity this last week. I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to raise anybody raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you helped shovel somebody else's driveway last week? Don't raise your hand. It's a great opportunity to love one another. It's a great opportunity to love one another. How many of you have seen somebody's Christmas tree sitting out in the yard and thought, you know what, I'm going to the dump of mine, I could take that one too. Great opportunity. Or at least you could light it on fire for them. No. <laughs> Scratch that, sorry, don't do that. Don't do that. We have the opportunity to love one another and serve one another and care for one another on a, on a daily basis. And God is pressing us to become disciples. And here's the deal. Peter preached this sermon. He stood up under the influence of the Holy Spirit, no doubt. I'm not 
This was at Pentecost. Jesus had just, uh, uh, he died, was crucified, was in the grave, came back. Uh, um, the Holy Spirit was poured out on this day. Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, preached his message, I, I have no doubt. I don't expect anybody here to go out and stand in the mall and get 3,000 people saved tomorrow. That's not what I'm asking you to do. That's not even what, I don't believe God's pushing us towards that. Well, what I do believe is that he's pushing us towards living like we've got something to give. I believe he's pushing us towards being disciples. You know, everything in this world, everything that there is, is nothing compared to what eternity has for us. And eternity doesn't start when you die. It starts when you accept Jesus. Eternity is already here. You're living in You didn't know it, but you're living in eternity now. You accept Christ. Right here is where eternity begins. Oh, you don't really believe that. I'm going to church. Oh, that church is filled with awe. It's not going to be filled with awe if you find yourself out doing something with the kingdom. Doing something in the kingdom. God did not pull you out of the realms of darkness. He did not save you from the pit of hell so you could sit there and go, boy, I wish the bass would get tuned. <clears throat> you know, that person singing, uh, singing uh, a harmony, they, they really stink. That pastor wore that same shirt last week. I wonder if he's got the same color socks on this week. God didn't save us for that. He didn't save me. Yeah, now everybody's looking at my socks. No, they're both black. So on. He didn't save us, but he saved us so we could do something with the gospel. Right? Well, you, you don't know. I mean, you, you know, I, 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 I haven't been a very good Christian. Let's talk about good Christians, okay? When we left our series um, back before Thanksgiving, we were going through the book of John. We're going to return to the book of John. We were going through the book of John, and we got right about to the part where Jesus was going to get crucified. Two men stick out in that account. In, in John chapter 18, two men have failures. Anybody ever had a, don't raise your hand, ever had a failure? Of course we've had a failure. Two men stick out who had failures. First one's who? Judas, right? Judas had a failure. He betrayed Jesus. The second one was who? You mean the guy who just preached and 3,000 people came to that same, it was got to be a second Peter, right? There's first Peter and second Peter. This must be the second Peter. It's the same Peter. Peter who had these failures in his life. Well, let's look at who Judas was. You can go back and we're just for time's sake this morning, we're not gonna do this. We're gonna work on this next week again. But we look at Judas and when we see Judas, we see a thief. That's what John says. He was a thief. John also declares that Judas was a liar and he was the father of all lies was his father. That's who he was. Judas was not a good cat. He was not here. He was not part of this entourage. He was one of the disciples, but he was not part of that original 12 to see what Christ was doing or what he could do for him. He was dipping his hand in the money basket. There was one point where the perfume, where Mary poured out the perfume on Jesus' feet, and his comment wasn't, wow, what a precious thing. That's awesome. His comment was, that perfume could have been sold, man. That was a year's worth of wages. Judas was not concerned a wit about who Jesus was. He followed him, and he betrayed him, 
and it ended up in Judas trying to deal with that guilt and he committed suicide. Judas offed himself. Peter, on the other hand, denied Jesus. Jesus actually tells Peter, guess what? I gotta go to the cross and I got this, this plan and Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Peter pulls Jesus aside. Think about that for a second. He pulls Jesus aside and he said, you gotta stop talking about this stuff, man. You, you, can't, you can't do, you can't do, you're not going, you're the boss. You're, you're, you're the, the Messiah. You, you can't do this. And, and Jesus rebukes Peter and he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. And G- G- Again, we're, I'm shortening the story. I'm giving you my version of it. But uh, uh, Peter says, I'll follow you to the very end. And Jesus looks at him and says, not only will you not follow me to the end, but by the time you hear the roast, rooster crow tomorrow, you will have re- rejected me three times. No, no, never. Ne- not me. No, n- not me. Let me ask you a question. Does your theology, does your belief system, does your walk with God allow somebody who is a sincere follower of Jesus? I believe Peter was a sincere follower. I, he, he tried to defend Jesus. When the guards came, he whips out his sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear. I mean, he, he loved Jesus. Does your theology, does my theology, does our theology allow for failure in a Christian's life? Job's buddies didn't allow for that. Job's buddies said, you know what, if, you're, if, you're, if you love God and if you're doing what's right, everything's going to go, uh, go up and to the right, man. Things are going to get better and better and better for you. You're going to have more prosperity. You're going to have more cows. You're going to have more camels. You're going to have more servants. Everything's just going to get better for you. And when his life didn't get better and didn't get better, they basically told him, you should curse God and die. Apparently, you screwed up. Apparently, you messed up. You're not following after God. How many of you know sincere followers of Jesus, sincere followers, people who really want to, have to be disciples, can screw up and have failures? Three people in this whole congregation agreed with that. How many of you know that can happen? People can do things that is totally out of their character. I think Peter was brash. I think Peter was kind of in your face. I think he was pretty bold because he's the one who grabbed Jesus and took him aside. (laughs) I mean, I believe he's the Messiah, but I'm going to rebuke him. He had a failure. And yet, God used him immediately after that to bring 3,000 people to Christ. And what do we do? Oh, God, I blew it. I blew it again. Oh, I blew it. And, and we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to say something to somebody, or we just know we should. No, oh, I can't do that, man. I screwed up. I screwed up. I, I can't do that. Even worse is the fellow who talked to me the other day who said, I can't tell you the truth about my life because I've been rejected so many times by Christians who just don't want anything to do with me. 
It is time for the church to grow up. It is time for us to grow You know what? If we keep stuff in the dark, it's never going to come to the light. It's never going to get healed. It's never going to get dealt with. It's just not going to. If you come in every Sunday with your tie on and your jacket and your, everything's all prim and proper and we, we, just, we just look so good and churchy. But our world is falling around, falling apart inside. Open it up. Open it up. We've got to get to the truth. We've got to get. That's how, that's how we become disciples. Now you've got to understand something. If I start preaching this way, and people start doing this, you're going to have to respond like a disciple. Right? You're going to have to extend forgiveness. Oh, go ahead, pastor, preach it, preach it, preach it, preach it. That's good, preach it, preach it. Hey, well, what are you going to do when somebody comes up and says, listen, I got this secret sin I've been hiding, and I haven't told anybody. <gasps> I remember the first time somebody did that to me, and I about lost my mind. I had no idea. I was 17 years old. guy came up to me and he confessed that he'd been dealing in pornography and he couldn't get away from it. And I'm just thinking, what do I do? What am I going to tell this guy? What are you going to tell that guy? Oh, dude, you're going to hell. Huh? What about What about hope? What about freedom? What about peace? My kids are on a terror. I can't handle them. Guess what? Other people, they've had their kids on. God had a son whose name was Adam, and God was a pretty darn good parent. And his son rebelled. You're not the first one to walk down this road. Right? We need to be disciples. God is calling us to grow up to grow up, to grow up. He's calling us to learn. He's calling us to apply his word to our life. I'm walking down the road and I see Corey. It's like, oh man, that dog. I mean, I remember what he did. Should forgive him. I know I should forgive him. Do it then. Well, it's not easy. You don't know what Corey did. I don't care what Corey did. Forgive him because you did even worse. You sent Jesus to the cross. He went to the cross for you. Jesse, he did that. Kenny, he did that. He went to the cross for you. All you got to do is extend forgiveness to Corey. That's it. Do you have to trust him? Well, not if he stole $5,000 from you. But you got to forgive him. He did not steal $5,000 from me, by the way. I would walk across the street to say hello to him, okay? But we've got to begin to be the disciples that we say we're coming to church to be. Otherwise, why are we coming here? Why are we doing this? And you could find somebody else who's a better preacher. You could go out and be, you, you could be, Riding snowmobile out on the ice. You could, be, you could be ice fishing. You could be sitting home watching all-star wrestling or anything else you want. It's all on TV. You don't have to come here and listen to me. 
You don't have to surround yourself with these people. But we're coming here to be the church. So how about it? Should we not do that? I think God is calling us to be disciples. I think this is a year for us to be disciples. I think it's a year for us to begin to put in. Now, that might make you a little nervous. Ooh, ooh, what are you going to want me to do? Believer stuff. <laughs> Love your neighbor. Pray for your kids. Pray for your wife. Lay down your life for somebody. Just believer stuff. We're going to talk about some of the disciples this year. We're going to talk a little bit more next week about the slope, the slippery slope that Peter got on and how he ended up going down that trail of denial. Even more than that, can you imagine? So Peter, somebody says, well, hey, you're the dude who cut off that guy's ear. You were with Jesus. No, 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 not me. No, 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 that was me, that was somebody else. 20 minutes later, you're standing by a fire warming yourself up because it's cold. Hey, weren't you the guy who was just, oh, no, 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 that's not, no, you got somebody else. There's another Jewish guy out there with a beard that was with him. That wasn't, that wasn't me. And finally, the third person asks, and now nobody believes that he wasn't the guy because people are saying that he's the guy and he's got to prove it, so he starts cussing. Ah, it wasn't me. I don't know what the bleep, you're thinking bleep, because I bleep, I wouldn't bleep. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into the word, but that's kind of what it says without the bleeps. He started to swear and curse. How do you get on that track? More, moreover, how do you get off that track? How do you get back? I think there was a pattern. I think there's something that happened. We're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. Because God wants to use us. Peter had to come to grips with that. So, so you go through all of that, and all of a sudden you're standing there the next day or so. Jesus is on the cross. He's been beaten. He's been scourged. He's been whipped. He's almost, he's just, his life is almost gone from him. And the rooster crows, and Jesus looks down at him. Take my heart out, put it on the counter, because just ripped it out of you. He knew. He knew what he did. Here's the deal. I believe, I believe Jesus will look at each one of us in the coming days. You're going to look in the mirror at some paint and say, boy, God's really putting his finger on this in my life. There's something I need to change. There's something I need to change. And that's when that happens. That's when change happens. We need to count the cost.